It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, and so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah. What happened yeah. to that? Where hey, we're live. How, we're live. How you doing? How you doing? We have a show going on before the show. Yeah. And so we're sorry for the interruption. And it just popped up. Look. Welcome to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. I gotta it tell is you guys. Tuesday, all-star game. Woo! Tonight. Yeah, I don't Go really ahead, I don't care, but I gotta Whoa. tell you. Uh, get the camera to me. I've had a rough morning, and oh. I've got to share it with you. Um, <laughs> I had my prostate checked this morning. Yeah. So, so this day got off to a very unpleasant start. Woo. My hair's too long. I need a haircut. That's a mess. But let me tell you, and then the doctor says, I got to get this procedure done where he puts something up the you-know-what. Yeah. The front part, not the back part. Oh, the front part. That's the worst part. Wow. Is that a I metaphor a that opinion. catches mitt right there? Wait, it is. Yes. No, front, the front. Is this like the second <laughs> step to a test? Because I've had that checked a lot. I've never had anything actually. Just for fun? Or? No, my prostate was fine. Yeah. My prostate was good. Good to go. Right. right? But there was, I, I uh, you know, I had a urine check and there was a little blood in there. So they're like, well, we got to do this wow. test and you got to have this and blah, blah, blah. I'm I like, tell you, out of all the things I thought I'd hear on today's Jeez. show, we are I, minute I, 20 in. I did urine not have that blood. on my list. One minute and 20 in, and we know about both sides of Adam's But backside. good news, good news. The afternoon's going to be a whole lot better because I'm having a massage today. Hey. Oh, well, massage. Man, wonderful. People yeah. are going to be all, have been all over that What was your last years. massage? Uh... About two months ago. So, are you more or less likely to talk about getting a, so- a massage based on what's going on right now? With the, I thought about that. I did think about it. It's like, oh, should I mention that? I'm, and, and I'm going yeah. to a different massage therapist than I saw two months ago. Uh oh. It's now. It's a trend. Uh oh. Yes. It's a pattern. Don't let the New York Times find no, out about that. No. Sue Robinson comes out on a rope. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is like my fifth. <laughs> two massage therapists in two months? Yeah, it's uh, my fifth or sixth in like the last three. Uh, no, no, because I didn't see anybody before, during COVID. Why? Why do you change? I went to a woman a couple times in a row and just wasn't doing it. It just wasn't feeling it. Yeah. You know, the first massage was good. So I went back. Second one wasn't as good. And I'm like, she phoned it in the second time. But I feel, what's that? Did she phone it in the second time? She She thought she had him as a regular. We all have our off days. Yeah. She got lazy. I know. Hmm. Earn me. You got to earn me every week on this table. I'm feeling good about this one. Like okay, she works good. specifically I on injuries and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and sorry about the blood in your urine. Yeah, now yeah. I, back to back to the like blood, the blood in urine. urine. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we have any definitive declaration as to why this is occurring yet? No, I didn't even know that I had blood in my urine. They found that out today. Yeah, I I, I didn't see it. Must have been like trace amounts of blood. I don't know what's going what, on. Yeah. What, I, what, are, when, what age are you supposed to start getting these prostate Like fifty. Exams? Man. Yeah, fifty. But I'll tell you this: if okay. bull, if yeah. you ever actually see it in your urine, yeah. You, you're long past no. trouble. Well, no, well, that's not completely true. Only because, yeah, it could be something serious. Yeah. I have actually, yeah. to, because people want to hear about this. It. Yeah, let's I get have had this. blood in my urine a couple times in the past that you could actually. Can we get see. a Chiron. 
Uh, that I could see. Orange no, no, that I could see, and it was painful when it came out. Let me and, tell you something. And what was that? Cost? I had uh, kidney stones. Oh, oh, those are not fun. Which was okay. Right so here. what it was doing was it was it was basically cutting the tissue. It was not pleasant. <laughs> you, you, I had one kidney stone <laughs> in my life. Uh -huh. I'm praying every those day. Those are real curves. That was not there. fun. I've changed my habits since. I I. I hydrate constantly. Now. I do. I hydrate, but now they're like, you know, they got to do like a, a, a cat, a cat scan. I don't know, the ultrasound. Yeah, a cat to take scan, a look and see where all it is. these things. But did I'm you not. actually pass a stone, or did they, did they in laser? the past? Yeah, have you? Ever I had passed like one? I, I no, I didn't fully pass a stone. It came out as more like crystals, and it like broken up or whatever. Okay, yeah. I don't even remember what okay. happened. It was a while ago. I passed. Just a bring stone. your charts in. Bring your charts. I will. Next week. I, a full medical evaluation. Oh. Yeah, I want to. By the <laughs> way, I said to the doctor, the doctor, as he's checking me out today, it was a new uh, new urologist oh, that I went to today. Uh, a shout out to Dr. Jankowski, nice guy. <laughs> I'm number one. Open for sponsorships. So. He Pick goes segment. So, you know, regular conversation in the middle of some awkward things. And, and he's like, uh, so what do you do for a living? So I'm like, well, uh, yeah. let yeah, me tell go. you. Yeah. He goes, oh, I used to listen to the Bull and Fox show. I said, he said, tell me about the new show, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I was like, maybe we can put, when I got to have this test done with the with something going in the, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. He's like, maybe we can put it on the show. I said, <laughs> I said, maybe we can put it on the show. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Uh-huh. His logo's okay. right there. I'm going to try to yeah. redeem this conversation. Really I'm quick. curious to see yeah. how this We're going to make the turn to Deshaun Watson news yeah. in one second. I just want to take 30 seconds mm. to speak to a captive audience. A large percentage of our audience is men, not all of it. Yeah. But we as a gender do not take our health seriously enough. No. no. Get your regular screens. Get your prostate, your colon. They say start that stuff at 50. Yeah. If you have a family history of it, which I do, yeah. start it at 40 or 30, depending yeah. on how severe the history Go is. Go for a physical every but year. Men, we typically will see there's a problem, but we think if we don't say anything about right. it, no one will know and it will never manifest itself. Very stupid. If you feel something is off, if something appears to be off, stop the John Wayne Act, make a doctor's appointment, and go. I'll jump off my soapbox There you box go. Now. No, you're Something right. Something I feel very, very And I think men should, everybody should go for a physical this once is, a year. This is a true story. The reason yeah. this is, I had a friend, a high school friend, I was just telling Bree before the show, I went to his funeral yesterday. Mm. Lifelong friend, lived behind me, played baseball together, went to high school together. I get a text less than two weeks ago from his sister saying that Jeff has been diagnosed with cancer. The doctors told him, you have weeks, there's nothing we can do. Seven days after I got that text, he passed away. He was feeling mild stomach irritation. That was it. Mm. They went and found cancer oh, everywhere. Sorry, that's all. And it's, it's an absolutely uh, life-changing event. He's in his 50s. He yeah. was a healthy guy, a great athlete. And it can Ugh, happen to all of us. That's so brutal. He and he didn't even feel anything yeah, was yeah, wrong. Yeah. Yep. Get checked out. So Go to get the checked out. All right. Um, we're starting with the Deshaun Watson news. So we'll backtrack just for a second. Yesterday, Charles Robinson of Yahoo had the news of the day. He reported that the NFLPA plans to sue in federal court the NFL if Watson's suspension is more than a year. We expected that. They dropped bombs that that was going to happen. Mm. So it wasn't really a major surprise because everybody expected that. But today's news comes from Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio who's been on this story, some of the stuff we've, I think, agreed with, some of the stuff we've said, I don't know where he's getting this. Mm -hmm. Mike is reporting that the NFLPA will not have to file a suit, and here's why. He's saying that people in Watson's camp and the NFLPA feel very <coughs> good that a suspension is going to be in the two to eight game range, and here's why. This was based off what was in the filings that – were given to Judge Sue L. Robinson on the 12th. The original deadline was the 11th. She extended it to the 12th. They believe, they pounced on one thing that we talked about at length on this show. There is a line in the league's conduct policy that says ownership or club management will be held to a higher standard and be subjected to more significant discipline. Well, that's very interesting because last Friday we ended the show with the news that the Houston Texans had settled against 30 female accusers in the Deshaun Watson case. And where this becomes important is the lead, the team was complicit because their director of security had given to Deshaun Watson non-disclosure agreements to hand out to anybody that gave him a massage because Deshaun had told the team, I'm being blackmailed by someone 
that gave me a massage. Well, here's how you handle that. Give them an NDA. Let's not change your behavior. Yeah, let's not talk here, about have a piece, have this. Have his rite of passage. Yeah. Well, here, this will give you a pass to do whatever uh -huh. you want. Yeah. And now. it will never come to light. Yeah. The reason this is important mm. is because now the NFLPA can juxtapose what the league has not done to the Texans to what they're preparing to do to Deshaun Watson. And before I have you guys jump in on this, the last thing I'll say to that is, as of yesterday, neither the league nor the Texans would even respond to inquiries about whether or not they were doing an investigation into the Houston Texans. This is two-sided justice. Mm. And guys, I know that we've all pretty much been in the six to eight game range, but after today's news, I feel much more confident that's going to be on the lower side of six games. How does this news change your opinions? Well, I, I, I've always thought about, the, you know, I've been on, on record from the beginning talking about some of these things, right? Talking about the, you know, hypocrisy. Or the, but it goes deeper than hypocrisy. You know, I, you got to get technical and you got to get legal to this thing. It's not about how you feel. It's about the facts surrounding that. The collective bargaining agreement states certain things, right? And, and, and if you're going to have a binding legal contract and it states that, Owners are held to a higher standard, yet the Texans have already gave 30 people a settlement, right? The league won't even comment and talk about what did they know? Has there been an investigation? What were the findings of the investigation? What are their plans moving forward? They haven't even talked about it. And the way we look at it as far as what Charles Robinson said yesterday in terms of saying, listen, guys, they're going to plan on suing. We, we already knew that. But the suing is not specific to Deshaun Watson. The suing will happen because it will be a class action, a class action lawsuit, which says you treat two groups of people differently. African Americans are a protected group, right? Which opens you up for discrimination cases. If you look at the hiring practices, there's already one hiring practice discrimination out there with, with Flores. And he's squeaky clean, squeaky clean as they come. And that lawsuit, the, the courts decided can move forward. Can move forward. Right. There was always, there was a, they settled out of court with Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed for blackballing them for taking a knee. They also have, right now, dealing with uh, the CTE uh, investigations and payouts of people who have disabilities because of CTE. They use racial norming in order to not give certain African-American people an opportunity to have the access to those funds. This is just a small piece of it because the class and, and people will say, well, you know what? The league has never lost. The league has well, the league hasn't had a class action lawsuit before and the league has not had an owner or three owners that are there ripe for the picking in which you can juxtapose what you're doing here in real time and mm -hmm. what you're doing here. So I, I think this is a, a thing where the two to eight games, I've always said the league should be smart yeah. and go ahead and talk to Deshaun Watson. Quickly, one, as a point of clarification, the league did lose the CTE. They, settled, they made a huge settlement, mm -hmm. and I don't know how anybody can say that's anything but an L particularly when the, when you right. look at the number that was attached to it. That mm -hmm. was class action mm -hmm. and they they were they knew that they felt they were going to lose so That's they decided they, they decided mm -hmm. to settle and come with a settlement that none of us have ever seen before. Yes. I think there's a couple of things here. First of all, I will say um, to me I, when we look at the comparisons between the players and owners, the to me the, the best examples are Daniel Snyder and Jerry Jones and not the Texans because ultimately the Texans are being were being sued because of something that Deshaun Watson allegedly did. So I don't know that I'm going to blame the Texans. If, if Deshaun Watson did what he was accused of, right. well, that's on him more than it is on the Texans because it's not like there's that, – that's how I see it. And, but and, the, and to back up your point and to tell you why you're right, here's what's going to happen. The director of security for the Texans will be fired. Oh, yeah. And the Texans will say he operated independently we of us. Know. We've already cleaned up the problem here. Right. Nothing to see. That's right. That's what they're going to – that's what they're going to say. Yes, but but there certainly is a good argument for unequal, uh, unfair treatment when it comes to Daniel Snyder sure. and when it comes to Jerry Jones in a big-time way. So that's number one. Number two, and the most important thing, I think, for us as Browns fans and people who want to see Deshaun Watson play, is and the reason I have said eight games all along and continue to say, and now, first I thought it was going to be eight games. Now I think it's going to be eight games at the most. But the league does not, 
wants to be done with this. You talked about they settled with the CTE. You talked about they settled with Colin Kaepernick and, and Eric Reed. This started as Deshaun Watson getting bad press. He's still getting some bad press, but now the league's getting a lot of bad press about how hypocrites they are, how the rich white guys get away with everything, okay? And that's all true. They want this gone. And and that's why I'm convinced, and again, if I'm wrong, I'll be proven wrong, okay, I'll admit it. I'm convinced that they want no... They have no interest in overstepping what Judge Robinson does. I think they're talking tough, and if Judge Robinson says no games or two games, they're going to be like, we tried. We put it to her. She thought this was fair. I'm She's letting it go. She's literally their absolutely. Human she takes them off the hook, no matter what they decide, what what she decides. And I think they're just talking tough, so they can say to the people that are angry at the end, "We tried." I I've been hearing, I've been hearing, I've been hearing you guys say this about Sue Robinson for a while now, and uh, you might be right, but I also think that I maybe I'm a little more cynical. Yeah. But I don't necessarily the NFL uh, believe that the NFL thinks that they have to abide by whatever she says. I think that you're right. She is a form of a buffer. And, uh, but I think you hire lots of consultants all the time to come in and give advice. And then you take that advice and you take what you know. And then you make your own decision because that is your employee, really. You hired an outside consultant to come in and give you advice. And you didn't say, we promise that we're going to do whatever you, you say we're going to do. And he has that loophole in the uh, collective bargaining agreement. Yes, the that, he, does. that he can. And so it's already written. You're, it makes sense from a PR standpoint. And I, I hear what you guys are saying, but it wouldn't shock me. The NFL doesn't give a damn when all of a, the, where they're just going to, if, the, if the, they find the, favor, the ruling to be favorable, I think that they'll be like, we're going to listen to her. If it's what they want, they'll be like, we're going to listen to her because, you know, she's in charge. And But if they don't, they'll be like, we like we like what you brought to the table. Thanks a lot. We're going to take that into consideration. I, we're going to do the same thing we want to do anyway. And she's a woman of integrity. 25-year career as a, a district judge. But let me throw this into the mix, Mike, and see what you think about this. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Normally, I think you make a great case, but because the optics of this case are rooted in race, mm-hmm. and G. Bush has been talking about this for weeks, and gender, you, you can't and gender, you can't ignore that element of this. Right. And the one thing the league has, at least on the surface, the optics, they've tried mm-hmm. to make strides in race relations. Some will say they've fallen woefully short. And you pointed to the Flores lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can look at Colin Kaepernick. You can look at the baseline, the sub-baseline testing for black players in the league mm-hmm. and and how they pay out on the CTE settlement. Their track record on race relations is not great. No. They've hidden behind the Rooney rule, but what is that but ultimately they keep, done? But they keep making money, and they're never punished for I know, it, really. But, but that's all they care about, though? guys. That's all they care about is the money, Making right? Money. And all if the money is worth money. more, if the money they make from having him in the league is worth the hit that they would take from the PR, and they look at the math, and it's like, we'll still make more money, even though more people will be mad at us, they're going to go with that decision, They will. And, Mike, to that point also, I think, and maybe I'm crazy, but I think they're worried a little bit. They have to be worried a little bit about the possibility, as G says, about a class action lawsuit. Yeah. That's mon- they don't. That could be a ton of money. Yep. So Bush, I think they're going to be happy to just get at, get this done with. Is I it think. possible? Like Everything has a tipping point. Mm-hmm. And th- there have been a lot of straws placed <clears throat> on the camel's back. You know, the Kaepernick, the Flores. You mentioned the CTE baseline testing for blacks. At, ultimately, is there a point, and is this the straw, where black America says, you know what? We have officially seen enough. We've officially, and and now that you have one set of justice for a black player who was cleared of criminal wrongdoing, show us the evidence, and he's getting this, and you've had white rich owners skate, Mm -hmm. is that ultimately the straw that breaks black America's back when it comes to their patronage of the NFL? Well, I, I can't speak for all of black America. What? How, you can't? <laughs> I, I just, Why do we, right. what are we doing? Why'd you ask <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, but I, I will say, I don't think it's that. I think it's if she comes back, right? So, remember I said, I said this earlier before. I said, 
we watching. People are watching, right? I said, this is three, four weeks ago. If she comes back with two games, three games, and the NFL tap dances all over her ruling just to do what they was going to do anyway, right? it's, it's done. Because, and, and I don't think they understand. They wouldn't frame it that way, though. Right. They wouldn't no, but say, that, they would but that say, would be exactly what it is. Exactly sure, of course like, it would. But and, they could deny it and say. So you have a black woman making a ruling, and then the white man comes in and says, that was cute, actually, but here's what black. we're going to do. Sue Robinson's white. white. Oh, white. Oh, okay, that's my mistake. Yeah, I thought yeah. Sue Robinson was I screwed it up woman. last yeah, week for some reason, oh, okay. too. That's why I knew it. I assumed she was black. I thought I'm being told you're now part of the class action no, I can't this, hear. My earpiece no, is broken. Now, no, this is this is a law. This is this is from the Massachusetts. We're talking about union union labor here. It says when they're looking at these things, they're looking at a number of things: a fair investigation, uh, proof. Did the investigation produce substantial evidence of proof or guilt? And this is the big one when they talk about when you're going to mediation and when you're going before an arbiter. This is what they want: equal treatment under the collective bargaining. Whether rules, orders, and penalties applied even-handedly without discriminations, the rules must be applied consistently to all employees. The application cannot be discriminatory or selective. If other employees who commit the same offense are treated differently, there may be evidence of discrimination or what is referred to as a desperate treatment. Also, if enforcement of a rule has been lax in the past, management cannot suddenly reverse course without first warning employees of a tighter enforcement of the rules. So now all we need to do is go back. All we need, go ahead. Yeah, true, the owners are not employees. However, here's your caveat. They are named as in that they are named as people who are under that policy. So even if yeah, but these are two different policies, though. But 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 no. What I'm saying is, if you have a collectively bargained agreement as to conduct, that collectively bargained agreement on conduct says who's subject to it, <laughs> right? And who's subject to it? Owners, players, everybody. But here's the loophole there, or not the loophole. Here's the problem with that. All you gotta do, it's it's you gotta find another apples to apples situation to compare it to. That's that's what they can get out from under. Find me another situation where a player was accused by tw- over 20 people of sexual misconduct on a massage table. And there's just no history of it. You can say this one's kind of close. We got this Roethlisberger thing over here. We got this thing over here. But they can always say, well, it's just not the exact same thing. Well, the vagueness, here's where you come in. The vagueness of the conduct policy, therefore, hurts them in this situation. Because if they said sexual allegations and it's over five, over six, mm-hmm. guess what? We can get you for that. The conduct policy doesn't say that. It just says anybody defaming, bringing shame to the NFL is subject to to. But, but such Bush, aren't there aren't there levels of of? Obviously, there are certain crimes that rise to higher. Sure, uh, sure. But guys, they have I to would argue of the shield. They have to prove that. Guys, I would argue that it's not twenty cases. There may have been over twenty accusations. Now four. There may have been over twenty lawsuits. But what did the league? What of all the reporting has been that they are only considering four of the cases right in this situation right but the look of things still bothers them. the look is bigger than that it is but in terms of what they're actually adjudicating it seems like it's only four cases which is very similar to Ben Roethlisberger right and they have a history though of now Ben Roethlisberger by the way was accused of rape yeah right I think we need to make it very clear and we have but there's a lot of people on Twitter somebody because I my podcast today that I put out this morning. My headline was... How do we find that, by the way, that podcast? Uh, please go to the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube. <laughs> nice. Or you can and follow subscribe. me on Twitter. What a please plug. subscribe. And please subscribe. Please subscribe, yes. We're less than 900 followers, uh, subscribers away from 11,000, which we want to get we to hit 10, by the yesterday. end of the month. And yes. you were saying on your this morning... So this morning, my headline of my podcast was... Why, it, was a no, it was and still is a no-brainer for the Browns to trade to Deshaun Watson. I talked a little bit about the argument we had on the air yesterday. And that whole situation and a couple of responses were, you don't care that he raped people? And I'm like, you yeah. can't just start. Like, that's part of the problem. Yeah, it is. There's no accusation of rape at mm-hmm. all. And again, I think we, we all agree to some, at the very least, Deshaun Watson showed some bad judgment. Yep. We don't know exactly what he did. We know he showed some bad judgment here. But to start throwing out rape, that's yeah. a big difference from what he's being accused no, of. It, that, that's a world of difference. A huge. And, and uh, I, I really... Go back to what you said on the apples to apples comparison. I, the the language that you read out of that particular statute was 
the, the language is very specific, employees. It mm -hmm. didn't say anybody that is covered under a collectively bargained right. agreement. And, and that's what the league would argue. The league would argue, say, well, you, you're talking about employees here. Right. You're, oh. you're trying to ask us to punish the employers the way the employees are punished. However, see, this is the, my thing. If they didn't want the owners to be part of it, all they had to do is take the owner's name out of it, and they would not be subject to it. See, here's the thing. We got we to gotta talk about the letter of the law. If the letter says... I'm subject, you're subject, you're subject, and you're subject. And your boss is subject. And your boss right. is subject. That means we are all held to a certain responsibility. So I understand, and the thing is, what we are all, all are getting is, we know how the league works. We yeah. know that they get away with a bunch of stuff. Right. Daniel Stein should be in jail right now. The, he is refusing a subpoena. He's hiding on a boat, isn't he? Yeah. He, he should be in jail. Yeah. But they should go on that boat. <laughs> Put freaking handcuffs on him, him and but throw him in jail right now. I don't think now. he'll own that team a year from now. But, but, probably not. But, but, no, but he'll probably win a Senate seat. All I'm arguing is this. All I'm saying is <laughs> we did. It's kind of funny. You probably yeah. get it. Uh -huh. um, all I'm arguing in this situation is that, yeah, we know they got away with it before, and they, they consistently do. But here's the problem. If they bring a class action lawsuit of, of, for discrimination, they can't weasel out of that one. That that is a long, hard trial with a lot of documents, a lot, lot of emails, a lot of a, bad publicity. A lot of bad. Why would that, you want that? that? That's why I think both hands are on the button to settle, mm -hmm. because ultimately, especially after seeing Florio's report yesterday, right. to me, my takeaway from that, and I'll get yours in a second, and we'll move on. But to me, when I digested what I had read, I had sort of moved to the point that. Both teams, I'll use your analogy, both teams have their finger on the nuclear button. Mm -hmm. And typically, when we've had those Bay of Pig situations where you're staring one another down, typically, cooler heads prevail. They cut their losses. They take their hands off the button. They shake hands and come to an agreement. And I honestly believe that that's where we're going. Even if that means that when Judge Robinson makes her ruling, the NFL stands down and says, we'll stand by that. I don't think they want to raise this thing to DEFCON no. 10 and nuclear war. Because to your point, if the documents from the Washington football team investigation become public information, mm -hmm. we, we are going to change the way we yeah. watch sports. Because I, I guarantee you, there is plenty in there that the league and Washington doesn't want public. There's nothing that can stop the NFL. We get right to McNuggets. There's nothing that can stop the NFL but that. They're going to rake in money forever. They just got to keep everything there. Yeah, just don't melt yep. down and on it together. And it seems like they're better off taking the PR hit for a smaller suspension, if it is, yeah. than the what could happen if it goes the other way. And to your point about the money, I don't know if you guys were following the DirecTV con comments and, and what, what's going on with that. DirecTV has been long Sunday time the ticket, provider yeah. of Sunday Ticket. The report came out Friday mm -hmm. that those new rights are going to go to Apple. At a at a price tag of three billion dollars a year. Three billion yeah. a year. A year. <laughs> that's again. It's insane. I mean, so we're talking about and, and, and the GDP of that's one many of their, small countries added yeah. together. Yeah. No, think yeah. about Apple. When you throw in what Fox pays, what NBC wow. pays for Sunday night, wow. what ESPN pays CBS. for Monday night football, <coughs> CBS, yeah. and their wow. local right. plus Amazon, Guys, Amazon now. Th this thing wow. keeps going up exponentially. Just when you think that they've hit their ceiling and now they're going to yep. level so off. So how adorable well, are we though? How adorable are we though? Like they better settle this or they're going to lose the fans. <laughs> yeah, right. And they're just and like. Sure. They're shoveling money that's into a furnace. They're just, oh yeah, sure. You're gonna lose you guys. Yes, like, enjoy hockey. This yeah, idea right, have that fun. they're gonna lose a ton of fans because they're mad about Watson playing yeah. is absurd. I know. I, I wish you think so highly of ourselves as no, a society. All that will happen is you'll lose it. You may lose them in the short term. We've seen the last couple yeah. of years the NFL ratings go down. Over I thought they went back up last year they, were up they had gone year. down. But we, what we thought we'd never see, yeah. we saw two years in a row. And then right. the league ratings go down. I mean, now they're right. back up, but it, it would be a temporary blip. Oh, definitely. But the fans cannot Always stop. come back. Yeah. As the saying goes, the NFL owns a day of the week. That's right. I have one question one for you guys before we bring on Tim Couch here. Steve, punch up tag board real quick. This was from Josina this morning. We kind of touched on it, but she tweeted out that they're not looking at the difference in owners versus players as a significant uh, – it's an irrelevant point, excuse me. 
Are you guys buying that whatsoever? No. Because that's caused a complete firestorm well, on Twitter. Well, what was the source? It was a league source. And it, to me, it shows that the league is desperate. Well, they may that be, they're leaking that out there. Yeah, they may think it's irrelevant, but I don't think Judge Robinson's going to think it's irrelevant. Or the NFLPA, which is the only right, thing that matters. Exactly, they're the yeah. ones that they're going to bring the action. Of course. And the NFL is just saying, "Yeah, we looked at that. There's nothing to it see." It doesn't there. matter. It's a it's akin to the players association leaking from the hearing. Yeah. They presented no evidence of force, coercion. Well, that's their opinion. Right, sure. Mm-hmm. They weren't convinced by yeah. any of the evidence they saw. But we don't know what Sue L. Robinson will I, think I of that. I just still can't believe that these wealthy people think they're above the law. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> yeah. Where would they get this impression? <laughs> and how do we change we that? We live in a society. Oh. How in the world do we change oh, well. that? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, before we move on, anytime we introduce a guest on Ultimate Cleveland Sports <laughs> Show, they are brought to us oh, by our great. favorite Roofs. roofers in the world, Gridiron Guys. Mm-hmm. Are you guys looking for a local roofer you can trust? Family owned since 2003. The Gridiron Guys have grown to become Northeast Ohio's top-rated roofers. We Ooh. exemplify quality work practices, are a valued resource for homeowners, and offer a 10-year workmanship warranty. Call 330-573-7967 today for a free estimate or roof inspection. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Grid, 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 gridiron guys. Will you ask the gridiron guys who made that helmet logo next time you talk to them? I'm just curious. If you, if you, I think it's well done. If you get a bag out of that jingle, I'm going to crack it. Like, if you get a bag, <laughs> if they give you this bag for that, because it ain't even bad, though. Like, I'll be looking forward to that's it. The like, right? that's, that's the best one. That's the only one. That is the best one. I got to come up with yeah. I got to work on the others. Do you know, I, I will shopping. say I want to pay you um, a compliment real quick. <laughs> Yesterday, I was listening to your radio station, the, the, your old radio station. Yeah. And uh, I love Dustin Fox. You know I love Dustin. But your Delmonico baby. They're still playing that. Was a trademark. Yes. Okay? It, it's, I should be getting some money from that. You should. I and I love Dustin. But when he yeah. did the read, he finished it with it. Oh, he yeah, right. And, right. and it, it, it went something like this. And Dustin, I'm not capping on you. You know I love you. It, it, it was like, Delmonico, baby. And <laughs> Just didn't have the same ring. Give it, give it to us one time. It's Delmonico's, baby! Yeah, like, you can't beat that. Like, if I'm, a, if I'm Delmonico, I love that because it's iconic, it's a trademark. And so, I, poor Dustin. I mean, I wouldn't want to have yeah, to read you that after you've that. read it. Hey, but don't get, don't get sassy about it and be like, I deserve a nickel. Just enjoy that you have that fame. That's cool. By the way, very funny that you use the word sassy for me because yeah. last night I was having dinner with my wife. It was her birthday. And I surprised her by bringing her two of her good friends to oh, dinner, nice. including a uh, shout out to State Representative Monique Smith, who was uh, was our state rep, although they've screwed up the maps again, so now she's not our <laughs> rep anymore. But anyway, we we went out for dinner, the three of us, and they were talking about the three of them were talking about some teen, you know, like teenage girl who was sassy, and I said, "How come we never? How come boys are never described as sassy?" Well, yeah, so there you go. Girls, and then Mike just called me sassy, and it was and it was because he was like, "Maybe I should get a nickel for Delmonico's." I'm like, "Don't let's not start that in a paper." Delmonico's guy sues Delmonico's. <laughs> what you guys can't see as Bulls doing that is the guest reaction. Oh yeah. In our waiting room, and Tim Couch started cracking up as uh-huh. the gridiron guys thing came. So Tim, thanks Damn. for joining us as always. And if you need a jingle for your company, your whatever man. you're doing, I think we got your guy. <laughs> I know who to come to, man. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready. He wants royalty, so he doesn't yeah. do it for free. He wants paid, <laughs> as, as, as Mike just pointed Let's out. Let's go. Hey, what do you make about right. the latest news, Tim? I don't know if you caught us at the top of the show, but the big story today, Florio saying that the NFLPA and Watson's camp are pretty confident that two to eight games is going to be the range based on some of the briefs that were filed last week and the whole discrepancy between owner punishment and player punishment. What, what do you make of that? Are you buying that? Yeah, you know, I think, I guess it's kind of what we expected, you know, from uh, everyone was thinking maybe six to eight games, somewhere in that range. So it's kind of sounded like that's what it's going to be. But, um, you know, I guess we just have to wait and see. I'm not sure how it's going to play out, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out and see what happens. By the way, on a, we'll get back to the Sean Watson in a second, but I got to say to Tim that in the last couple of weeks, I feel like, and I'm sure you guys have had this experience too, I've run into so many fans who are loving the show and enjoying it. 
and they always bring up in particular the the four, the three former Browns we have regularly, Tim, DeQuell, and yes. Leroy, right? They bring the, the three of you guys up all the time. And I was having a con- I had like multiple conversations actually this week with people like, man, Tim Couch is awesome when he comes on with you guys. I can't believe, and a few people have said to me, man, he deserved better. And, and it's amazing that he still has this positive attitude about Cleveland because the Browns screwed him. Everybody, the Browns screwed him. The Browns, and a lot of people said, Baker, what is Baker whining about? The Browns really screwed Tim Couch. They didn't screw, <laughs> they didn't screw Baker. But, but uh, it's amazing how many people are so appreciative of the fact that you busted your ass here. You got, you got a raw freaking deal. And yet you have such a great attitude. It really, it really, the fans, it means a lot to people I, that I've noticed over the last few weeks of having you on. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. You know, every time I'm able to get back to Cleveland, especially when I was working with Jay and we were calling the preseason games a few years ago, right. and I was be, able to be around the fans and stuff, I got a lot of positive feedback. And I mean, I'll tell you, as a former player, it makes you feel uh, really good that, you know, you're appreciated for your time and your efforts that you that you gave to an organization. And, uh, you know, that's really how you want to be remembered. And, uh, you know, I'm glad the fans, you know, now can see it from a different perspective. When I was playing, you know, yeah. it's always the quarterback's fault. It's always the head sure. coach's fault. But, uh, you know, now that I'm, you know, removed from the situation, I think people can see that I was placed in a pretty rough situation, being on an expansion team and uh, being thrown right in to be a starter in, in week two of my rookie year. So it was a, it was a tough road, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't change it for anything. I, I really love my experience in Cleveland and, you know, getting that team to the playoffs in my fourth year was a, a huge accomplishment from where we started in 1999 as an expansion team. So I'll always be proud of that accomplishment. Tim, you probably don't remember this, but I actually played left guard for you in 2002. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Um, and he was one of the bigger ones. I, yeah. quick, I had a quick follow-up to that. How do you think this fan base is going to be reacting to Baker Mayfield in 10 years? You know, that, that's a really good question. I don't know, you know, because it's been, um, you know, Baker has said some things and, you know, the, you know, the organization has said some things about Baker. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, I think, for the most part, I think people will be appreciative of what Baker was able to do because it's a very similar situation to when I came to Cleveland. You know, I think Cleveland had won, what, two games in the last uh, three years before Baker got there. And uh, they bring him in as the number one pick in the draft. He gets them to a playoff, wins a playoff game. So I think the Browns are all, always going to be appreciative of him, uh, what he accomplished and, you know, helping turn around this organization, get it going in the right direction, bringing some energy and enthusiasm into the into the organization and winning football games. And, you know, he had some really good times. He played really well at times. And unfortunately, he was injured and was inconsistent at times as well. But, uh, you know, he had some really good moments. So hopefully the fans remember him well and uh, appreciate what he was able to accomplish while he was here. You know, Tim, you uh, during that pro- the, the process with Baker Mayfield, right? He gives back three million dollars. Now, under uh, you know, you you've been in the league, you you played. Under what circumstances would you give away give back three million dollars? And and would your wife have a conversation with you about that? <laughs> like, whoa, like <laughs> three? Yeah, like. Let's think about this before we give away three million. You know, that's that's a lot. But, you know, I, I think in Baker's situation, he just was ready to get out of Cleveland and get on with his career. You know, I think he was willing to do whatever it took to, you know, whether that was taking less money or whatever, just to get on a new franchise and get a, get a fresh start and get this thing over with and get it behind him. And, you know, it seemed like it drug out forever. Uh, you know, they were trying to find a trade option for him and things like that. So it's uh, he found a place, found a team that wanted him, had to, had to come down a little bit on his price to get what he wanted. So, um, you know, it's 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 part of the business. It's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow for three million. But, uh, you know, it, it's a situation that he was in. And uh, real quick follow up. This is another thing. Wait, so, you know, you talk about the, the salaries and different things. So after you left Cleveland, right, um, you mm-hmm. were relatively you I, we were Green Bay a little bit. And then you were kind of finished. Um, Was there a point in time um, where you kind of was really worried about any money or were worried about like, wow, how much like, okay, I do have this money, but I'm kind of freaked out to spend it because I don't know what I'm going to do next. Did you ever have that moment of clarity? Like, wow, like I I need to make this last my whole life or or were you pretty much secure and because you you were you were financially, uh, you know, stable when you were at uh, in Cleveland? 
Yeah, I, I think for me, you know, the best thing that I was able to do, you know, fortunately, I had a lot of deals off the field with Nike and, you know, doing a lot of commercials, McDonald's and, um, you know, things like that. I was able to make some money off the field um, that I was just living on. And, uh, you know, I, I told my financial advisors when I was playing that I wanted two separate accounts and I was going to live off my off the field money and every dollar I made so from the Browns was going to that I didn't even see. Uh, I didn't even want to know anything about it. I was living off the, the money I was making off the field. So when I retired, you know, I hadn't really spent any of my money. So, um, you know, I knew it was going to be, um, you know, a long road. You know, I had a lot of life left to live, but I was I was financially set, um, you know, coming out of that. So I was just very conservative during my playing years. You know, I thought, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. You know, with injuries like I had, your career can be cut short. You know, I, I truly thought I would still be playing in the league to this day. You know, I thought I'd play, you know, 15 years minimum, you know, maybe 20 you know, I thought they were, I was going to be one of the guys that would have to kick me out of the league. I, I love the game so much. But, you know, unfortunately, I had the injuries and, and uh, my career was cut way short. But, um, you know, you, ha you have to think about those things in advance and think about your future and set yourself up for if something like that does happen. Well, and, and that's why Tim yeah. now in his second career mm. and Tim will be modest and he won't he won't talk about this. But Tim's probably more successful in his second career than he was in his first financially based basically on what we just heard. He was smart with his money. Mm -hmm. And now a lot of people with a lot of money trust Tim and his brother and their financial firm <laughs> to invest and to help them wisely spend their money. Well, and mm. and um, so he, he's done a terrific My job. My 401k got well. destroyed, Tim. Yeah, what can the hell is going four, on here? My 401k Fix is it, a 201. Man. Oh, man. My joint, like, I got a rollover. I can't even look at it. It's too painful. I don't right even know now. if I have one. It, it is. <laughs> I actually don't have it anymore. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> one <laughs> tip. One money tip. Let's figure this out here. To what, Alice, what do we do? <laughs> Man, I, I don't even know at this point. You know, the market's so crazy right now. It's so up and down. You know, until things stabilize, I think everybody's just kind of being, you know, sitting back and being a little bit conservative for now until you see what's going to happen. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's been tough on everyone. You know, it's just, you know, we had such a great run there for a few years uh, in the market and everyone was making a bunch of money. And, you know, now the last year or so, it's been uh, everything just going down and everyone's watching their accounts drain. But uh, so it's just, you know, trying to, you know, be conservative a little bit, find some good things that are going to be, um, you know, stable throughout, you know, whatever economy you're in and just try to invest in some smart stuff. That's why I'm all in on yeah. Dogecoin. Yeah. All right. Oh, <laughs> I was going to ask, what do you think about yeah. Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, let's get. I, hey, I I'm get, out on the crypto stuff, man. He's out on crypto. Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of smart people yeah. say they are too. I'm done with that. <laughs> I want to get back yeah. to Deshaun. You know, we've talked so much about Deshaun Watson off the field. I want to get a little on the field because, like, if you think, it seems like he's been around a while, but he's only played 56. I think he started 56 NFL games, which is essentially right. what? three and a half seasons. I mean, it's not as much as you think, right? When we've seen him on the field, he's mostly been great. Uh, we've seen him with outside of DeAndre Hopkins, his first, you know, two, the, the rookie season and then the two full years. He hasn't really had much talent around him. Bad offensive line, no running game, bad defenses the last couple of years. But in fairness, he also has a lot to prove. He has one playoff win. He's got a lot to prove when it matters the most. So, I guess my question is, there are some people that think, well, maybe he just won't play well. I'm convinced that as long as he's healthy and on the field, the guy's going to be a great player. Is there any hesitancy from you at all? Maybe because he's missed a year, maybe because he hasn't played enough to know for sure. Is there any doubt in your mind that he's not going to play great if he's healthy? Or is there some no, doubt no. that he might not be great? You know, the only doubt in my mind is that he hasn't played in a year. There's going to be a little bit of rust there, obviously. So, but but I think you know, one, one, when he's healthy and he's out on the field, this guy is a top five or ten quarterback in the league without question. Um, you know, he's proven that. You know, the time that he has been out there on the field, he's put up some huge numbers. Uh, he he can make plays with you know his legs. He's he's accurate with the football. He doesn't turn the football over very often. So he, he's he's a great football player. He's a difference maker in your franchise when he's when he's healthy and he's out there and he's got weapons around him. So there's really no doubt in my mind other than initially when he first comes back, will there be a little bit of rust? You know, probably. Maybe the game will be moving a little fast for him and it's going to take him a few games to settle in. Uh, but once he gets back used to the speed of the game, gets used to getting hit again, gets used to the physicality of the game, um, he's going to be fine. He's going to, he's going to be an unbelievable player. My only fear with him is is the injury. Um, when you've had that injury, it does change the way you play. When you have that injury a second time, it, it puts limitations on what you can do. And, uh, you know, you can't forecast injury. You can't, other than a repeat injury, which is why this one scares me so much. Tim, when you were out there playing, you were always playing hurt. You always you had a myriad of injuries. 
I know mm-hmm. you never think about being injured when you're in the game and on the field, but are you thinking about that off the field in your off-season preparations, in your downtime? Like, you know, what can I better do to avoid having another serious injury? Yeah, you do. You think about it in your off-season training and you're getting with your trainers and physical therapists and, you know, what can I do to strengthen this or strengthen that, um, you know, make myself more flexible so I can try to avoid some more injuries. But, you know, then at the end of the day, you go out there and you play and you just never know what's going to happen. You know, the when I broke my leg in the last game of the year against the Falcons that we had to win to get into the playoffs, I didn't even get hit hard. You know, I, I was throwing a pass. A guy came and grabbed my jersey and kind of spun me around and my cleat got stuck in the grass mm-hmm. and I got a, a fractured my tibia. So it was just like the freakiest injury. Uh, you know, and you can't really prepare for things like that. So it's just, um, you know, it's one of those things, man, once the injury, I'd never been hurt in my life. I'd never missed a game in high school or college. And then I get to the NFL and it's just like injury after injury after injury. And I just couldn't stay healthy. And it was, uh, it's the most frustrating thing for an athlete, man, because you work all that, all that off season, getting your body strong and healthy and prepared to go into a season. And then, you know, one play can change your whole career for you. And it's, uh, it's an unfortunate part of the business, but, you know, every athlete has to deal with it. Well, one of the reasons that you couldn't get, couldn't stay healthy was because Mike was your me your, and Jeff Fain weren't holding it down yes. right yeah. and <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> that was a big problem um and that takes us to our rankings our position rankings of the day we've been doing this at all the positions in the NFL and today Jay before you hit this real quick I yeah. I, I think it's I just want to say it's so many times Joe Thomas has been asked about like can you name all the quarterbacks that you've played <laughs> right. for yeah. and then I, I think the say you know obviously Tim didn't play as long for the Browns uh, as Joe Thomas did, but I, I mean, like, could you name how, like, what percentage of your offensive linemen that played in front of you do you think you could name? To the, I mean, it's been a while. You think yeah, you can name them all? Funny because uh, I, I, I don't think I could name them all because uh, <laughs> I, the other day I was looking online or whatever, and a picture popped up, you know, from an old Browns game, and it was some a guy blocking for me, and I didn't know who that was. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, I, I don't recognize that guy. Uh, you know, I think it's one of those years where we were down at the end of the season. We it had like Mike. a ton of injuries. Yeah. It, it may have been Mike. That's right. <laughs> we just had guys coming off the street blocking at one point. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't think I can name all of them. I can name most of the guys, you know, that, I, you know, the Dave Wollaballs and, you know, Orlando Browns and all those guys oh, that, were, that were all players. But, you know, we had a lot of guys rotating in and out of that lineup for sure. <laughs> right, I'll tell you what, before we get to the offensive lineman, McNuggets got something right over here. Mm. Uh, I wanted to ask you, we, we did this a couple of days ago, and, and it was the, the quarterback rankings, right? Um, they talk, I think, in top 10 NFL quarterback rankings. I don't know if you can see it or not. Um, they have Deshaun Watson at number nine at the bottom. When you look at these group groups of quarterbacks right here, is there <clears throat> any glaring issues with this list? Is there any glaring issues of people that are left off the list, maybe yeah. too high or too low? And this was voted on, Tim, by pl- players, coaches, executives, and scouts. I think there were like 50 guys that voted yeah. on Right. That. Yeah, I don't have a real problem with this list. The only thing I would really change is I would probably move Joe Burrow up um, you know, in my in my book, I think Joe Burrow is, um, you know, he's he's an incredible football player. I, I may move him all the way up to two, to be honest, three at the lowest. Um, you know, I, I really like Joe Burrow and what he's able to do for a franchise. But other than that, you know, the list looks pretty good. You know, it, it gets a little, you know, when you get into the, you know, seven, eight and nine with Justin and Russell and Deshaun. That's all interchangeable to me. Those guys are very similar type of football players as far as talent level, skill level. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's a pretty good list other than, you know, I would probably move Burrow up a little if I was making it. Half of those guys have won Super Bowls. Uh, Tom Brady yeah. has won more by himself than everybody else on that list put together. And he's like 62 now, 63, 63. something like that. 63 years and old. He's, and he's still number four. <laughs> That's Six incredible. of the guys, I think, have been to the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah. Six of yeah. the ten. Burrow went and lost. Yeah. The other four have not even been. And then right. five of those right. ten right. have won. All right, back to the offensive tackle rankings. No Browns um, in the top ten. I don't think that's a huge surprise to anybody. As, as you look at the list, here's the question that we're going to debate here. Outside of the position of quarterback, which other position is most important to have elite talent to enjoy success in the NFL. What do you think that that, that position is? 
You know, I, I would say it would probably be left tackle. Um, you know, especially in today's game, the pass rushers are just, you know, unbelievable athletes. And, you know, as much as teams are throwing the football nowadays, I think you have to have an elite guy at, uh, at that blind side for the quarterback. So I, I would probably start with left tackle. Um, you know, once you get that, you know, it's kind of the anchor for the, you know, the entire offensive line. You, you get a guy like a Joe Thomas where you can put him over there and say, we don't have to worry about that position for the next 10 years. We don't have to worry about who he's going to be blocking this week. It doesn't matter what pass rusher we're facing. We can just one-on-one -on -one block that guy with our great left tackle. And, you know, then we can, you know, scheme up blocking uh, schemes for everyone else. So, you know, I think that would probably be my most important position other than quarterback. What do you guys say? I think that he's prejudiced and biased because he got <laughs> murdered by people for so long. And I don't blame him. Maybe like, so. that would obviously be the most important one to him. He's like, you know what I would have liked to have had? Yeah. A left tackle. That would have been nice. I, I, yeah. well, you, you know, I would, I'll ask you. Like, when you look at it, I know left tackle is good. Would you rather have an all-pro left tackle or all-pro center? Uh, man, that's that's a tough one. You know, I think uh, an all-pro center is 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 invaluable as well. You know, just the um, you know because you know they're making all the calls for the offensive line. They're sliding protection. They're 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 doing all this and that. So there's a, there's a lot of communication that that center has to do uh, to the other offensive linemen. So it's a it, it's a tough call, man. But that that left tackle position, just because of the edge rushers in, in the NFL today, you know, I would probably lean a little bit towards the left tackle. But you know, a center's is is is, is a highly important position. G. Bush as well. would. When people come at, to this day, he's got PTSD. When people come at Tim from his left, he, he flinches a little bit. <laughs> he's not, sure. He's not sure what they have in mind. So, here's my argument, and obviously, I mean, you have personal experience, which I do not. So your, your opinion carries more water than mine does. But my thought was, I'd rather have, if you're asking elite specifically, I'd rather have an elite end, elite pass rusher than an elite tackle, and here's why. Because I think if I have a good, solid left tackle, in fact, like people have asked me, would you, uh, fans have asked me, would you rather have five good, solid offensive linemen or three great guys and two subpar? I'll t I, wouldn't you rather have the five just good, solid ones, right? Because isn't the biggest problem if you, if you have guys that suck on that line and that, that really kills you? And so I, whereas at pass rusher, I'd rather have Miles Garrett and then a barely startable other end then I'd rather have two mediocre pass rushers. I think for an elite, you can make more of an impact on the game as a pass rusher than a tackle. Maybe I'm nuts. What do you, what do you think about that? No, I, I can see where you're coming from. You know, certainly, you know, guys like Miles Garrett and these great defensive ends that we have in the game, a TJ Watt, you know, a guy like that, they, they can really impact a game. And, uh, you know, they can, they can you know, you know, your quarterback, they speed up his process a little bit. They get in his head. They make him get rid of the ball a little quicker than he, than he wants to, you know, things like that. So they certainly have a huge impact on the game. You know, I guess I'm, you know, like you guys said, I'm probably speaking from a quarterback's perspective. No you know, doubt. what would I want to there and you know if I had to pick one position where they're going to say we're going to get the best guy available on the field for you to help you be better as a player you know obviously you need a great game breaking wide receiver those are always good to have but if you don't have time to throw the ball it doesn't matter how good your wide receivers are so I would start with my left tackle if I'm you know if I'm building a team as you know seeing the game through the eyes of a quarterback so I would go left tackle but there's no doubt you can make the debate that a, that a Miles Garrett type of guy could make just as big as impact as well. Tim, I'm just looking real quick at your 2002 Browns roster. Let me ask you, which of these offensive linemen do you think protected you the best? Barry Stokes, Sean O'Hara, or Paul Zukoskis? Sean O'Hara was a great player with the he Giants. He played the Giants. Sean, yeah, had a great career. Yeah. All right, well, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, I have to go with Sean. Sean, yeah. Sean was a good football player. He was an undrafted guy. You know, he came yeah. in as a rookie undrafted, made the team, ended up making a great career for himself, and does a good job on TV now. He's on does NFL a great Network. Job on the NFL Network. Yeah, yeah, Sean's a great guy. Won a Super Bowl with the Giants, Eli Center for a few years. So I would have to go with Sean on that one. Right. Those no. other two guys I never heard of. Have you I heard of the other Barry two guys? Stokes? Do you remember those I guys? think he lived across the yeah, street. Yeah, yeah, I know Stokes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Stokes. Uh, I talked to Stokes the other day. He lives oh, in nice. Nashville, and then uh, uh, Paul Zukowskis is, uh, you know, he's a Boston College guy. So yeah, I, re I remember those guys for of sure. Of course, you stay in touch with everyone, I, and you're still nice to them. I'm so impressed that Tim still keeps in touch with and counts as friends yeah, well, the guys that ended his career early. <laughs> what a nice guy! Oh my god! Yeah, we go fishing, and you know, uh, earlier yeah. Tim. Tim, really, and it, it is what you see is what you get. Yeah. Tim and I spent a lot of time together in meetings or at yeah. dinner preparing for our broadcast, and I would try to get – I would bait him uh -huh. and try to see if I could get him to say something disparaging about anybody. Yeah. Or, you know, just in like a weak moment say, you know what, 
I really was done wrong by Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> what he says on this show is exactly it's what he feels. Break. The man carries no yeah. grudge. Yeah. He's just, and that's well, a great way to say live your life. Done wrong by well, we yeah, can we say can. it, and yeah. I know inside he has to agree, but you're not going to get him to yeah. verbalize that. You, oh, sorry, go ahead. Bro. McNuggets is raising his hand. What's up? No, I, I just want to <laughs> double down on that point. Oh, I, I deal with all the guests, making sure they're booked, they know what time they are, they're coming on. Tim, you are like the <laughs> nicest person in the world. I had my phone on uh, connected to the Alexa the other day. I had a friend over when he texted us on Sunday saying, "Hey, man, I'm so sorry I can't make it Monday. You know, can we do another day this week?" It read out loud, and my friend goes, who's that? Tim Couch. He's like, uh, you mean, like, the Tim Couch, the quarterback? <laughs> I, go, yeah, I never would have guessed that's his personality. So, yeah. Tim, it's unbelievable. I don't know how you do it, man, but thank you for being such a nice person. Yeah. Do you, oh, absolutely, uh, man, yeah. Do you, do you agree that uh, do you agree with Adam or do you agree with Tim as far as most important elite player? Next or maybe to you want to go wide receiver or tight end uh, or running back? Man, I, you know, it changed. I flipped on this like three times, right? Like, cause, cause the league changes. Like, and, and before I would, I, before obviously we would say running game, have a nice running game, right? Defensive end, I've seen T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett wreck a lot of games, but now, I don't know, man. The whole Jamar Chase thing got me. He freaks me out. Like now, I think like yeah. if you can get that type of receiver, and and he comes in year one, like think about it, Tim. These receivers are coming out of high school already knowing all the route trees. They run all these mm -hmm. routes. They do seven on seven. They got they're in the shotgun all the time and they catch these routes and run these routes hundreds. So by the time they get to college, these guys, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you, you look at Garrett, Garrett uh, Wilson. These guys come in Olave. monsters a lot. Chris Olave. Yeah. They come in so good, Tim, and it's like when you were playing, obviously you guys ran a lot with shotgun. You ran some routes, but now the receivers and you go watch the games. It's completely different. It is completely different. I totally agree with you on Jamar Chase. That guy, man, I don't know if I've seen a wide receiver come in year one and make an impact like that since Randy Moss came into the league. You know, Randy took the lead by storm when he came in, and Jamar had that same same impact. And you don't see a wide receiver come in and make that type of impact in year one normally. So he, he's just a freakish type of player. Uh, so he, he's certainly a game breaker. But, you know, the, like you said, man, these guys all since middle school, all the way through high school, they're in these seven on seven tournaments all summer long. They're so used to the passing game now. You know, it used to just, you know, they, they weren't that used to, you know, especially until you get to college. You don't know how to learn. You don't learn how to run routes and read coverages and, you know, where to settle up in zones and, you know, how to beat press coverage. You know, a guy right in your face trying to bump you at the line of scrimmage. These guys are starting to learn this in middle school now, all the way through high school. So, you know, by the time they get to the NFL, they are game ready, man. They're ready to step in and make an impact uh, right away. And, you know, we're, we're certainly see, seeing the effects of everything they've done, you know, throughout their you know, childhood growing up throughout high school and college, and when they get to the NFL, they're, they're ready to go now. And Tim, to that point, that, that position used to be running back. The guys that were most yeah, ready for right. the league were the yeah. running backs. And we saw yeah. because of that, the running back was devalued, both in where they were taken in the draft and what they were making in their second contracts. And now that's exactly what we're seeing with wide receivers. We've seen high-quality, top-name wide receivers just this past year. Mm -hmm. We've seen their team say, we're good. We're right, not going to go into team. that second contract. But the new team paid them a ton of money. They did, but yeah. what, we, what, right. what the league is starting to say about the wide receiver position, which they said for years with the running back position, you are replaceable. Yeah, you I are can, disposable. Guy, we'll see if the Chiefs got, and Packers I got regret guys, that. I don't know. I, well, there are always going to be guys that you just can't apply that rule to, yeah. whether it was Emmett Smith or you know whoever right. it was, Peterson. There's, there's always going to be exceptions to that. But if, when you look at the caliber of receivers – that have changed teams in just the last year in the NFL, it used to never be that way. You yeah. got a good receiver and you held on to him till, you know, they had to yep. pry him out of their cold, dead hands. Now we're seeing yeah. young receivers as they're coming up for their second contracts. The team that has them says, I don't want to pay that high premium. I'm just going to go draft a prototype like him, get him to come in. And when Chase hey. comes in and has that kind of production as a rookie, yeah. that trend is only going to continue. AJ Brown, they got rid of they, quick, they traded AJ Brown. I'm like, what? I, that was a guy that thought many yeah. thought was untouchable, and now he's you know he's changing. Yeah. Speaking teams. of Jamar Chase, this came out just a few minutes ago. It's the top ten Madden this rankings for receivers. I know Madden is a video game, but Jamar <laughs> Chase isn't among the top ten rated receivers, and Amari Cooper is. And I don't understand how, in any capacity, in any universe, yeah. in any you know what? respectable way, that they makes forgot sense. about him. That's it. 
That's the only explanation. We've all done this, guys. We've all made top five lists, and you think it's solid. Oh my! How did I? And they're like, how in the world did you leave out Pete Rose? Yeah, or whatever it was. Right. The only explanation to this is they had to forget about him, and then when they were reminded, they were like, oh God. That's right. He's only played one year. It's not like it. You right. Know. Is that but, what they're? Is uh, that what they're basing it on? Only one year of production? Is that? Would that be their rationalization? I don't know. But if you asked NFL GMs right now, yeah. you can draft any receiver in the NFL. He might be the. Well, he and he, Jefferson would go one and two because of their age, age and right. their production that we've already right. seen. That, that's a, first of all, Cooper Cup is a ninety-nine. Let's, let's, don't give me the ninety. He won the triple crown. Right. He won. He's he, great. He, but you. But any team would take Jefferson and to chase over him. Well, Yes, I'm yeah. just saying that rat rating is wrong. You're talking about the rating. Rating, that's yeah. rating's wrong. He should have been a 99. He should have been a 99. Amari Cooper at a 90. I was that's, shocked at that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's a, he's at 86. He's And I'm a Madden player since 1992. Like, he's at 86 tops. Tim, how much do players look at those numbers? And do they ever talk smack during games when they're being covered by someone <laughs> or they're playing against someone that was rated <laughs> higher than them? They, 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 they pay know, attention, don't they? They definitely do. You know, back in the day when, you know, when I was playing, Madden was kind of first getting really popular. So guys didn't really talk about it as much as they do now. Now guys get offended when their rating comes out if they're yeah. not, you know, higher than they think they should be. So, you know, back, you know, we didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really care what the video game thought about me or what they had me rated. Um, but now guys, you know, really into us. I'm sure there is some smack talking on the field yeah. when these ratings come out. And, uh, you know, you guys get like, you know, I'm with you on the, uh, Amari Cooper being rated as a 90 and Jamar Chase not even on the list. That's, that's incredible to me. I don't, I don't know how they, you know, do these rankings. I don't know what they're looking at. You know, just, you know, if you're looking at stats and the impact the guy made on his team, made on the game, he helped get a team to a Super Bowl in year one. I mean, I don't know what else the guy has to do to get on that list. But, um, yeah, it's uh, John Madden it's, spinning it's in his grave. There's Miles Garrett four, got a 99. Yeah, so. There's four other guys ahead yes. of Jamar. Until, until, until you get to Jamar Chase. Hollywood Higgins. He, he's an 87 overall. <laughs> what? 87. What happened? That's crazy. Yeah. When they were making his grade, did the guy doing the grades have a stroke or something? I mean, what happened? <laughs> That's awful. Hey, that's <laughs> awful. And you know, it's bad news for the Browns this year because he's going to come out with a major did you see his tweet? chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Put, put Jamar Chase's. I like this. I like this. Jamar Chase's tweet. I love the reactions to these. It's, they're always good. Give us, give us one sec. But uh, pretty much, he said, "Well, you'll see it. Pull it up, Steve." Yeah, here we go. Yeah, that's it. I, I'm, I'm going to keep, keep working. working. Extra motivation. It doesn't show the list. Man, you got the nerve to be a good list. person too. You're going to be humble and catch the ball and run fast. You know what? You know what? You know what? Some guys get everything. You get out of the way. You, you get, in, in fairness. Like, obviously, the list is stupid, but the fact that Burrow and Chase have a close relationship, they played together in college, yeah. that certainly helped both of them oh, big time. immensely. Right? I mean, yeah. that, Let's Tim, going. from your perspective, like, if you would take – if one of your, your good buddies who played wide receiver with you in college had been on your team, like, that would have – I mean, that, that moves up the learning curve in a huge way, doesn't it? Oh, it definitely does. You know, I uh, I had Craig Yeast when I was in college. He when he we graduated, he was the leading receiver in the history of the SEC. So he, he was a great player. He was drafted in the third round by the Cincinnati Bengals, and you know I was really hoping the Browns would have drafted him that year. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we could have just you know it, it it does it shortens the learning curve. It's a guy that you feel familiar with. It's a guy that you know. If you see a certain coverage or you see this or that, it's just a, almost a, you know, a nonverbal communication that you guys are on the same page. We've been doing this for years in college, and you just kind of pick up where you left off, man. And that's what we saw with Burrow and, and Chase when they got to the NFL. It looked like they're back at LSU again out there torching guys. Uh, so it was no drop-off whatsoever. So, yeah, it certainly makes a difference for a quarterback to have that familiarity with, uh, with a guy, especially when they're so young in their career. You know, back, back to the, um, the position that you would most like to have elite talent yeah. at. Um, it was this was a debate and a question that I would have often for our former players, executives, coaches. I was really interested in general managers because they're the ones that are pretty much constructing the team with obviously the input of the coach. And the answer that I would always get to that question was always clear cut, obviously quarterback number one. But I, number two was always pass rusher, always. Because the GMs would always say there's two players that can impact the game regardless of what anybody else is doing. The quarterback, because he's ultimately deciding where the ball's going. And on defense, it's the guy that's getting after the quarterback. And um, I think in the pay structure, I don't know when you go by positions of where the where the highest paid position players are. I don't know if defensive lineman is 
defensive end is number two or not. But I'd be curious I to know is. if there's a it, list. Is it between that and cornerback? I, I just, because most of the executives that I talked to answered that very definitively and without much thought, quarterback and the guy that gets after the quarterback. Yeah. And that, that's, and, that's you know, what I would have thought too. Just because it's such an important position. And look at the way the Super Bowl ended. The Super Bowl ended basically because the premier player right. at that position just decided they're not going to get a first down here. Right, right. I'm going to make sure right. they don't. And what, he made the play. If Burrow has two more seconds, the Bengals throw a touchdown. You're play. absolutely I, right. Yeah, I one was, more second. I was like, I was thinking that maybe I'm traumatized equally, and that's why I picked, uh, you know, a, a, a defensive end because I've just watched so much football, Browns football, of Ben Roethlisberger just sitting in that pocket for what felt like an hour and a half, yep. and just yep. thinking. He's just got all the time in the world for something to develop and just thinking if somebody could just get a hand on him. And I think that I'm traumatized in that same way, and that's why I would I think that's important. Tim, let me ask you that, too, because, hey, see, this is going – where Joe Woods at? Hey, Joe, listen, I know you ended up good last year. I don't want no problems with you coming out here playing vanilla defenses the first four games. Everybody's back. Mm -hmm. Everybody know the playbook. Now, Tim, as a quarterback, what gives you the most problems? Because I still don't understand it to my to, to myself. I look at Miles Garrett. I look at Jadavian Clowney. I would move them all around. I would blitz JOK. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't give you a, the same look twice. What what gave you the most trouble as a quarterback when you were playing? Was it guys that are just playing zone coverage or just man to man and rushing four? Or guys that brought blitzes because I know Pittsburgh ran the fire zone back then, and they was bringing yeah. everybody from everywhere, crossing the linebackers, and it was just ridiculous. Right. What gave you the most trouble, and what do you think gives quarterbacks the most trouble that they go against in terms of scheme? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a combination of the, how good guys are at disguising what they're doing, you know, showing you one thing, and then at the snap giving you another, or when they change the looks last minute on you as the, as the play clock is running down and they, they get into something else without giving you time to audible. Uh, those type of things, you know, those late movements, things like that are really tough to deal with. You know, I remember when we had, you know, Baltimore, who had an unbelievable defense back in the 2000s with Ray Lewis and those guys, and then, uh, you know, Pittsburgh running those fire zones. Uh, my first year, I was so daggone confused, man, when I got out there. They, they were coming up to the line. And they – they had both safeties down at the line of scrimmage, so it looked like a cover zero look. So I'm I'm out here audible and everything, max protection. I'm trying to throw a touchdown down the middle. And as soon as I snap the ball, these safeties go run out to the flats. The corners go play safety, so it ends up being cover two. I'm in max protection with like two guys out in a route. They got like seven guys in cover. So I'm back here holding the ball like an idiot, man. So I'm like, I'm like, uh, man, that is so confusing right there. But, you know, as a young quarterback, you, you have to try it. You think I got to protect myself when they show you that look and then they just bail out and play a full zone on you. So so guys that do stuff like that are, are really hard to deal with for a quarterback. Just changing those looks on you like that is, is very difficult. That's the cat-mouse game. Right Tim, this there. is kind of cool. We actually were able to just – we were just talking about Madden. We actually just were able to track down an image from a Madden game that you were actually in in your career. Do we have that image? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I was. I think I was on Tecmo Bowl and said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, that is so hard. Have gotten so bad. That is so hard. <laughs> oh, oh my man, god. <laughs> now, Tim, I remember college football. Tim was on college NCAA football, like yeah. 96, 97. Mm -hmm. And the reason I yeah. always remember, like, because we played it religiously. The reason I remember them is he talked about Yeast, the receiver. Like Tim and. Yeah. and they were the first people I was like, he got a cool number. That number two looked crazy. <laughs> like he had and everybody, had, his, his receivers had the single digits. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And, and you really couldn't tell who was good, but like they didn't have ratings back then. Right. But, but for some reason, I'm like, man, this little number two guy from uh, Kentucky be throwing the ball further than everybody. They didn't really have no. <laughs> Even they didn't have that they, yet. they didn't have any <laughs> for ratings. It, it was, was just like, And yeah. you just played with a person that was a little more fluid on the yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. It just uh -huh. moved a little quicker. Right. If you had that turbo button. And I was like, this is Kentucky. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the pro scout said, too. We got to get this guy. Yeah. Mikey, are we going to go to the top, top five? five? Yeah, Tim, you got a minute to stick around and do top five with us? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Awesome. It is. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.